you have to get away from being the, the giver of information. You know, that what, what we're used to, being the authority here, being the, the teaching and the, uh, and the information um, sort of giver. You have to listen to your students and take their individuality into account and incorporate their ideas and beliefs in the discussion. Don't engage in the pedagogy of answers. You're listening to Speaking of Language, a podcast recorded at the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. Each week, we explore a topic related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition. This week on Speaking of Language. Mariam C. discusses the history of African language teaching in the United States and identifies opportunities for innovation in the language classroom. Welcome to a new episode of Speaking of Language. I'm Angelica Kramer, the director of the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. And I'm Sam Lupowitz, the LRC's media manager. We are delighted to have Mariam C. on our podcast today. Dr. C. is a lecturer in African languages and the director of the African language program at Columbia University. She gave a talk as part of our monthly LRC speaker series on critical thinking in world language teaching, which you can watch on our YouTube channel. Welcome to Speaking of Language, Mariam. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Angelica. Glad to be here. Before we dive into all things critical thinking, can you please talk a little bit about your background and your path with languages? My, that, it's a very long one, my path with languages. <laughs> Give us the digest. <laughs> uh, let's just say that I actually grew up in a completely multilingual environments. My mm -hmm. parents speak several languages. Uh, I've lived in different countries. Uh, uh, down to my grandmothers, my grandparents um, hmm. spoke several languages. So I grew up hearing different languages and being interested in language. And um, I remember that about when I was about maybe 10 years, I was sort of semi-functional in Pular. And I went to my grandmother and said, I want to be more proficient in Pular. Hmm. So from now on, you speak to me in Pular. Oh. And this is actually how I worked on um, being more proficient in Pular. Um, so, yeah, a, a little bit uh, later in my life, I also find myself being interested in literature. I was much of a reader and, um, you know, and then um, my first... Uh, my undergraduate studies were actually in literature. Huh. Uh, but I was also doing a certificate in um, teaching English as a second language. Uh -huh. So um, later on, well, I fell into linguistics. So uh -huh. I, uh, my, undergrad, my graduate studies um, were in linguistics. So uh, when I was a graduate student at um, UCLA, well, in fact... Um, this is how I um, sustained um, my graduate studies. I started teaching Wolof from huh. my very first year. So this is um, how I came to teaching um, African languages. In your talk, you traced the history of African language teaching in the United States and presented ideas for incorporating critical thinking at all levels of the language curriculum. What are some of the challenges of integrating critical thinking in language teaching practices, especially in less commonly taught languages, and how can educators overcome them? Well, I think one of the biggest challenge, and someone, I think, 
and did ask this question um, during the talk, um, is that you wonder how much you can do at the very elementary level, right? Mm -hmm. So that that's a big challenge. And, um, well, at the elementary level, what you want to focus on is really built background. You want to give them lots of cultural background, but you do this in L1. Um, now, constraining your tasks, making them think about the language, um, some maybe very small um, information regarding the meaning of terms and uh, sort of what do they convey in, in the culture is pretty much what you can do. You can't make them have um, discussions um, sure. at, at, uh, at a high level, obviously. So you, you have to um, figure out how to work within um, the language that they have, how to work at level. Um, so then um, language proficiency also has to, uh, has to come in, and this is at all levels. You cannot lose sight of your proficiency goals, and you have to incorporate um, that in your, um, your design, your task design. So in your talk, you also differentiated three opportunities for creating innovative practices. And I think you just um, talked about some of them already. So these three opportunities are educational outcomes, so what the learners can do, content, what should be taught or what is taught, and then manner, how the goals of language teaching are achieved. Can you please tell us a little bit more about what these opportunities look like at different proficiency levels? And maybe you can give more specific examples for, like, what would you do specifically to encourage students to engage in critical thinking at the beginning, at the intermediate, and at the advanced level? Okay, so um, your can-dos, um, as I call them, will come from your performance targets. What do you, do you want your student to be able to do um, at a certain level of language? So... For example, for elementary level, it's really you're looking for them to, to, to be able to make isolated sentences. Uh, maybe at the level of elementary too, a little bit of connecting, but not um, too much. Mm -hmm. So you, what you do is design your task backwards from this target. So your content, what, what you're teaching, will um, constitute the basis of your tasks, right? Um, so at, at the elementary level then, um, what you're looking for is for the students to, to be able to make some type of statement. So for example, um, I gave the, um, the family, um, uh, example during mm -hmm. the talk. I'm going to go back to that. So we, we, we saw that in, in wall of culture, there are certain relationships that are specifically stated, others, not so much. So uh, your uncle on your paternal side is your father. There's no differentiation. Hmm. But your uncle in your, on your maternal side has a specific term, and so does your aunt from your paternal side. So once you expose students to this, what you're then looking for them to, stay, to, to, to be able to recognize and say is that... Um, Something like, for example, uh, there is only one uncle in my culture. Mm -hmm. 
right? But in Senegalese culture, you have father, which is uncle, and you have Nijai, which is also uncle. You know, the, just very simple things. Now, at the intermediate level now, you want them to go into this, to dig deeper into it. Why are there these different terms in the uh -huh. culture? What are the values associated with it? And, and, and why is that? At the advanced level, of course, you, you, you now you, you, you are able to do much more. Um, and you want to set your, your, your performance target um, for students to be able to elaborate on the ideas and support opinions. Mm -hmm. Because this is, this is where you're going to start saying, what do you think about this? What did you get from this? Right? Um, so that is sort of um, what you do with the kundus, right? So you have to set your um, you have to set your essential sort of questions. What what uh, are the questions that students need answers for or need uh -huh. to answer, right? Um, and your um, your kundus also you have to set them. Students yeah. should be able to identify X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Students should be able to differentiate X and Y. Yeah. Right. So, so that um, now with the um, the next would be what should be taught, right? So, what should be taught um, comes from the themes that you think are important in the culture. So you have to come up with basically um, a program, a set of themes that are important into the culture, the cultural perspectives and big ideas essential to understand uh, the culture. So this is how you will get your materials, basically. You get authentic materials from which you can expose students to um, the essential sort of items that, that will make them understand the culture better. So mm -hmm. you, you ask the essential questions um, from those uh, authentic materials. What are some best practices for designing materials that can facilitate the integration of critical thinking? Are there specific examples that reach beyond cultural aspects? Well, I mean, we, we, we've, we've been saying culture, but I mean, uh, culture encompasses a lot of things. So, <laughs> yes. so th this, um, your, your themes um, can extend to whichever aspect of, of the life of, of, of the people who speak these languages. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you have, I mean, politics, uh, whatever you want, right? Um, but I, I think that with all of that, whatever you are covering, um, some of the best practices that you must keep in mind is that you have to get away from um, being the, the giver of information mm -hmm. or the... Mm -hmm. um, you know that what what we used to being the authority here, being yeah. the the teaching and the uh, and the information um, sort of giver. So you have to listen to your students and take their individuality into account. 
and incorporate their ideas and beliefs in the discussion. Um, right, don't, don't, don't um, engage in the pedagogy of answers, basically, huh. but rather lead the students to, uh, to, to explore their ideas, rather challenge them and stimulate um, thought. So, well, you need to initiate and guide, of course, discussions. Um, but um, essentially, you, you, you would have to encourage students to dig deep into also the cultural background that they have, the, the cultural knowledge that they have um, in, uh, about you know, the people and lead them to finding connections between concept values and ways of thinking. Yeah, that's a that's a really great way of putting that, and I think an important reminder that we um, all need to reflect on. Um, if we think back about the beginning level in particular, I'm wondering when you integrate um, critical thinking and, and and encourage your students to reflect on language and culture learning, do you do some of that in? English then? Because, I mean, as you mentioned, right, students can't really engage in critical thinking at the beginning level in the target language. So as you're introducing, you know, family relationships, is that something that you then step back in your teaching and you discuss, you know, the the background of why this terminology might be different from what students may be used mm -hmm. to from English or from the American that, context? Yes, definitely. I And I... I tend to be extensive in my culture notes. Mm -hmm. uh, so they have a lot there. And, okay. and of course, they will, they will come back with questions. It, it, this doesn't mean that I'm covering everything. But, um, you know, when they come back with questions, yes, then I, I go to L1. I, this is, uh, I'm going to explain certain things mm -hmm. clearly in English at that level. So these culture notes, is that something that students would read ahead of time before they come into they the They do. Got mm -hmm. it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Nice, that's great. What advice would you give a colleague who wants to foster more critical thinking in their classroom? Where can they start? Yes. <laughs> so, well, I guess um, ideally you would want to have an articulated program. You would want to have thought about this. And uh, as you can see, this is, this is a progression. You must begin at the elementary level to, to, to supply enough information to be able to do this at... Um, higher levels, but even if you don't, um, you can begin by devising a systematic plan to incorporate critical thinking tasks. So um, I'm going to go back again to, to, to um, the questions I, I talked about before. You need to ask yourself, what are the enduring understandings that students should get mm -hmm. from unit Y or Z, no. right? Um, what are the critical questions to ask? So once you have isolated this, you can begin to build your material and tasks um, based on your list of understandings and questions. So if you have a textbook, you can follow the textbook, but these materials that you're incorporating would be supplementary ones. So you can follow your textbook with each unit, but um, determine what are the enduring understanding and the essential questions and then incorporate them um, on, you know, some supplementary tasks that you would have designed. 
Do you have any published materials or materials that are available for any colleagues who are interested in getting started with the process of incorporating more critical thinking? Or do you have pointers of where people can go to to learn more? Um, not yet. I, I, I don't. I, I hope um, I will have that soon. Um, and I think uh, the publication that I pointed to um, during the talk, you know, Jennifer Eddy's uh, uh, Discovering, Uncovering uh, Curriculum, mm -hmm. is was very, very uh, useful to me. Mm -hmm. And then the fact that also we worked together on doing this, this uh, uh, curriculum design, this is, I think I mentioned in the talk that this is what gave me the idea of incorporating critical thinking. So that format is very useful. It does not necessarily um, give you uh, what you need to incorporate critical thinking tasks, but you know that it is very conducive to it. So mm -hmm. your, your essential questions can include critical questions. Wonderful. What other projects are you working on right now? Uh, again, um, well, it's it's good that I just talked about this. We we continue knowing it, uh, to work with Dr. Jennifer Eddy. This is the group that was at the institute in 2013, and what we're doing now with these um, sort of um, uh, material, this material that we've produced, is to use it and start doing a um, um, vertical articulation. So that means that we are going to intentionally coordinate instruction and assessment across levels. So we're going to design this curriculum going from elementary, intermediate to um, to advanced. So uh, that is what I'm working on uh, now, and also. Um, working on integrating, you know, critical uh, thinking into um, my, my curriculum design. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's great. Well, we look forward to seeing what comes out of all of this planning and seeing how that translates into the classroom. Thank you. Mariam, before we sign off, we'd like to ask you to share your favorite word in a language you speak, you love, you are learning, you may want to learn... Let's hear that favorite word of yours. <laughs> this is a trap. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> oh, God, I love so many words. But um, let's see. There's a word in Wolof that I really love. And um, I think that I feel that it's, it's the way... The, it was formed. It's, it's, this is not because of even how it sounds, but it's just that how it was formed, you know, these elements in, in the word so clearly um, explain what it is. But when you're trying to kind of translate it or, or give the meaning, for example, in English, you, can't, you fall short. Huh. And <laughs> this, this word is muñalante. So muñ means to have patience, 
uh, endurance, um, to be empathetic, yeah. And then there's a suffix that's added to it, which is al. And this al suffix is uh, a benefactive. Huh. And then there's another suffix added to it. This ante suffix is a reciprocal. So huh. when you when you look at the the meaning of the word is to be patient, to be to be empathetic uh, with each other mm-hmm. for the benefit of each other, mm-hmm. right? So I, I just love that it it carries so much yeah. um, um, in it. That's wonderful. Can you repeat it for us one more time? Munyalente. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for speaking of language with us, Mariam. The pleasure was all mine. Good to see you two again. Likewise. Next week, we have our annual Thanksgiving special in store for you. Be sure to tune in and reflect on all the things to be grateful for. Until then. Auf Wiederhören. The Language Resource Center is located on the ground floor of Stimson Hall on Cornell's main campus in Ithaca, New York. Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu. Or follow Cornell LRC on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Speaking of Language is produced by Angelica Kramer and Sam Lupowitz. Recorded by Sam Lupowitz. Original music by Sam Lupowitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson. Thanks also to the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Sciences or any other official entity of Cornell University. We thank our listeners, and do stay tuned for our next episode.